Happy Friday and welcome to the Between the Dream podcast. I am your host, Richard Taylor Jr. Today is Friday, April 1st, but we're not fooling around today. I got an amazing guest on the podcast. Before we get into the conversation, though, I just want to say thank you so much to all of our new listeners who are tuning in for the first time or maybe one of the few first times, whether it is a first or one of the few first times, please make sure that you like, share, and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. And of course, for my returning listeners, my dream team, thank you all so much for your continued love and support. This podcast would not be possible without you all. So what do I need from you all? Please continue to share the good word of the Between the Dream podcast. Listen, it's Friday. We are in April. It is spring in the air somewhat. It was kind of like super cold in Seattle yesterday on Thursday. I'm not going to hold y'all. I almost quit on my run because it felt like December once again. But I do believe that spring is coming. And as we spring forward, no pun intended, I have a phenomenal guest with me today, Dr. Eve Hudson, PhD. I, I, I already said doctor, but then I put PhD in at the end because that's just how much of like when I see this woman and the work that she does and her level of knowledge and her ability to connect with people. I mean, you go, she's going to make you say doctor twice. Like that is just how it is. Right. But I, um, I, I love it. Um, she has been a powerhouse in her own right literally our first time actually talking today we've connected over social media i would say uh either 2020 late 2020 i know all of 2021 but dr eve has done an amazing job within the work that she does um i want to just run down the list real quick when it comes to some of her work she is the founder and chief strategist i hope i'm saying this right of everling worldwide right did I thumb me up, Everling? Everling. Evangeline. You did Evangeline. Evangeline. See, yeah. y'all, look, it's all good. I appreciate Evangeline. Your boy <laughs> can't read. This is why we get educators on the show, because they cover my tracks, right? I love it. But look, uh, Evangeline um, Worldwide, which is an entity created to empower first-generation scholars and graduates across the globe. She is a powerhouse that isn't just big when it comes to her name, but I believe personally her ability to connect to people as well. She has been featured on Black Women Hustle, Rolling Out, Women in Power, Shout Out HTX, excuse me, and Voyage MIA. She is also one of the most amazing hype people you will ever meet when it comes to making you feel good about your self-image after a haircut, none other than Dr. Evangeline Hudson. Thank you, Dr. E, for joining me today. How are you? Oh, my goodness. I just, I'm, you're, you're light, man. Your light is everything, but I am wonderful. I am truly grateful for the opportunity to share this space with you. And what a pleasure it's been to just connect with you, like you said, over social media and finally have that conversation that I was hoping would have had a conference already, but you know, here we are and, hey, and it works. <laughs> you know what? Everything in its right time. It's so funny that you say that because I have kind of felt that same way too. And um, you are not the only person that said that to me last year. I told myself I was going to start having more guests on the podcast and just connected with more people in general. And I kind of I, I was upset about it towards the end of last year because things got so busy and I was like, oh, well, it'll happen. And I'm like, a lot of it is intentionality, though, too. Right. And so yeah. for me, dealing with some of my own procrastination when it came to 
some of the resources. I didn't have all of the equipment to like interview people last year that I wanted and all that. And I'm like, dude, we'll just get it. Like create the space and do it. Um, I wanted to have you on here. We tech, so for those of you all that don't know, this is pre-recorded. Yes, I know you're listening to it Friday, but it was recorded here um, on March 31st, which is the final day of Women's History Month. And you all know that I've been bringing guests in this entire month who are women that are making her story in action, in motion as we speak. And Dr. Eve, that is why you are here today. Um, I know it's been a long time coming with this, but guess what? It won't be our last time, that's for sure. So no, I'm, super, I'm super excited to have you, Eve. You have done so much. So what, let's break this down real quick because I want the listeners to be able to hear from you. PhD by the age of 28, but but let's talk like your upbringing, your background, where are you from? Let's start early childhood before we even get to where you are now and all the amazing things that you're doing. Well, um, hmm, thank you again just for the opportunity. So like I said, born in a beautiful city of Charlotte, North Carolina is where I was raised, um, the oldest of three. My mom was a single parent working three jobs. And I used to say she had a job for each kid. And, you know, life was very interesting. But if we even go back, you know, further than that, I was the only of 13 grandchildren um, born that was raised in my grandparents' house. Oh, wow. So for the first, you know, few years of my life, maybe about five or six, actually, um, I was living in a three bedroom, one and a half bathroom house with an aunt, two uncles and both of my grandparents, you know, along with my mom. And they took a den and they converted the den to a room for us. And we shared a bunk bed. Oh, wow. I had the top, you know, it's like I, that was great. Um, my mom ended up getting married. The marriage led to, you know, my younger brother and sister, you know, and eventually that ended. Um, we came back to Charlotte and my mom, you know, was just doing her thing. So it's not that she didn't try to give us a good life, but, you know, it didn't work out that way. So being a single mother, three kids, um, you know, high school education, she gave us the best life that she could. And she used to always tell me, be better than me, be better than me. I didn't know what that meant, yeah. but even as a, a, a junior, you know, in high school, are you going to go to college? What's that? <laughs> what, what, what's that go to college but my grandfather used to tell me you know um all the time go as far as you can go go mm. as far to get all the education you can get because when they when you get education they can't take that from you that's good and that really stuck with me right so you know ended up going to college you know applied to 13 schools got into eight had four rides to four and ended up going to Shaw University, which at the time wasn't a full ride, but it's where I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, being a part of this HBCU community and culture, you know, was just something about it. And then by the time I got to the school, actually, they had called me that summer. I was like, hey, we got another ride. You want to take it? I'm like, well, I'm already coming, so why not? So right, right. ended up going to the first HBCU in the South um, on a full academic scholarship, having come from, you know, Hidden Valley, once living in my grandparents' house with, you know, Live, sharing a bunk bed with my mom to where I am now. So just really Love grateful. That. Love that. Hey, shout out to Charlotte too, real quick. North Carolina, I got some family that moved down there during the early 2000s. So we spent some summers down there at the Carowinds. It was like the Six hey. Flags of the South. I loved it down you know there. It. I had a good you time. That's where I had my first Waffle House experience too, you know, so I was in it. Yeah. <laughs> I was in I'm it. I'm here for it. Eve, so Shaw being the first HBCU, um, let's talk about that real quick. I think that's really interesting. As somebody who went to a PWI, but mm -hmm. is so connected to so many friends that have gone to HBCUs, I'm always interested to know how that experience shapes you being at an HBCU compared to like, 
going to a PWI, my school had 25,000 students. I think out of the 25,000, there was like a, the, the percentage of black folks was like maybe 1.5 or something like that in the entire mm -hmm. school. So like clearly, you know, it's like cold switch, cold switch academy there for us. What was it like for you being at an HBCU and with everything that you've been able to do, how do you feel like it shaped you? The HBCU experience is like none other. Mm -hmm. It really is because I could just be myself. I could be this again, little black girl from Hidden Valley yeah. who loved trap music and, you know, <laughs> had her nails, whatever that looked like, right? But then to be surrounded by these academics, these people who wanted to talk about W. Du Bois and mm -hmm. who wanted to talk about, you know, finance and politics and communications and all kinds of stuff. So I had the best of all the worlds. I could be myself in this academic environment, but also be groomed to be a leader. Yeah. And I was made to know my worth when I was there, yeah. my capabilities when I was there, that I would go off and do something in the world because of where I'd come from. Yeah. So in HBCU, I was constantly empowered, even with this, the professors who didn't look like me, because we had several, you know, professors, more diversity than I've ever experienced ever at HBCU, right? Wow. Um, Native Africans, people from, you know, India, um, people who were white, even, you know, white women who just love the culture and the students. Yeah. And so I felt like it really gave me a strength and an empowerment, you know, myself to go out into the world and to do things to even represent and put on for my HBCU, Definitely. right? Because there's so much pride in having gone to an HBCU. It was never for me feeling like I didn't belong. I never felt like that. So mm -hmm. that's something that I really feel like I, I don't miss that I, you know, didn't have to experience. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, I'm cool with that. You know, it was becoming a part of a black letter organization and just a culture that even comes along with that. I don't know the fast that you adults are, right? Yeah, you already here. You might as well give a shout out there. <laughs> shout out to the Sarah. Okay, now I'm a Delta. I love me and some I mean, reds even, now. Come on now, you better say that. <laughs> we love you right back. We, but that's really, but it was it's all the things that the cultural experiences, right? Yeah. Um, the fried chicken Wednesdays, the catfish Fridays, the stuff oh. that was even a part of the soulfulness, the culture of just being black. And granted, it was, I don't, I just, it, it gave me the, it breathed the life into me that I needed to carry on. Cause when I was at my PWI and it wasn't the same, yeah. I found out my HBCU people and we understood culture and community yeah. and how yeah. to support each other. And I really would say that we are what helped get each other through some of those trying times as masters and doc students. And so just, so this HBCU community nationwide, it gives you a, a knowingness that unless you went to one, you just won't understand. I love that. And I love that you stated that even from your experience of coming from there and then going to the PWI, that, that's why I wanted to ask that question because I feel like, and, and like I said, this is me outside looking in. Now, granted, obviously as a country traveling speaker for colleges, I get a chance to go to HBCUs. And of course, you know, like my big experience early on was watching Stump the Yard one and two, right? Like you get a chance to see that I went on a few college tours. The high school that I went to, we were very well, like we had an amazing sports team, but my high school was a pipeline for band students. Um, we had the best, literally the best band in all of Illinois, and we would compete like nationwide. And so got a chance to do like the UAPB tours and some of the other tours for like black colleges. And I'm like, okay, the tour is great, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure the lived experience being a full-time student is different. So what I'm hearing from you, though, is that being there, it sounds like two things happened. The first is that it felt like home, right? Like you being there 
definitely felt like home. My other thought process with this, and this is kind of what I've always wondered from my friends who have gone, is that it almost seems like you you, you talked about the whole co component of um, the switch from the HBC HBCU to the PWI. Um, it almost sounds like there was a sense of protection that you had there too. Yeah. I would agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. And when you say the protection, especially just well, my grandfather um, passed away my freshman year of college, mm -hmm. second semester was March. And rather than why are you not here performing or something happened or blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I felt like my institution had never lacked empathy. Instead, the Honors College came together. They sent a card to me. Wow. When I came back, professors asking, how you doing? Do you need anything? Yeah. Do you need food? Do you need, what, what, what do you need wow. to be okay? Yeah. You know, even to me, honestly, the process of, you know, going through to become a part of a Greek letter organization, they knew what was up. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, you're in class and it's just kind of like, this ain't the day. They always knew and they understood, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a rites of passage and it's an understanding that you just really can't get anywhere else. 100%. And so for me to have the love and the comfort and the know-how to just get through, to have people rub you on your back and say, you're going to be all right yeah. when you're going through hard times. Um, for people to know that, yes, I'm first generation and I'm having to work, but you know, 75% of students at HBCUs are, are first gen. Yeah. So if you take that and you look at the fact that many of us are working, there's an understanding about you working and you're not prioritizing where mm -hmm. this is your way of life. How can I help you through this? Yeah. To have professors call, yo, what's going on with you? Right. How you right. get my number? You know, right. of course I got a database, right? But like to call you and just to reach out and to see you and to know you. And I will tell you this, no matter how big the HBCU from A&T to, you know, um, FAM, Howard even, right? All of them, we all share that similar thing that there's a yeah. love and there's a, and there's a caring for us Definitely. Um, just across the board. So I love I take that. that. I love that. Eve, so coming from graduating from Shaw, right? This girl from Charlotte, North Carolina comes to the space at Shaw, first gen. You now have a decision to make. What was it for you that pushed you to further your education on the graduate level and then to go for the PhD? Well, um, I used to want to be a doctor when I was a kid. Okay. And I realized I wasn't good in sciences, so I let that go. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, it'd be like yeah, that. okay, somebody else can have it, okay? <laughs> no MD for me. And so I ended up, um, you know, moving to Mississippi right after Shaw. I got an opportunity, you know, to, to work. I had a job right after yeah. college. So wherever it was, where I was going to go. And I was working in housing. And I kept saying, how can I do this for life? I want to do this for life. I want to do this for life. Just being in this higher education space because yeah. of how my collegiate experience was. So I went from that to, you know, realizing I can study student affairs. Like that was the thing. Yeah. So I was in Mississippi, can get, you know, in-state tuition at this point. So there was a program at Southern Miss, one year program. It was intense, but if you can get in, you can know, move to the next. Yeah. Well, during that program, um, again, spring semester, probably around, uh, probably actually before that, but I feel like it was a spring. I had a professor say, hey, you thought about going for a PhD? What you mean? PhD. Uh -huh, I'm not. I'm about to be gone. I'm out of here. She was like, I think you should really consider. Mind you, this is a white lady, older yeah. white lady. She said, I think there's something there. You should just think about it. Had already had a graduate assistantship. Thought about it. Met this really fine guy. You know, he was real cool. He was dating. So, 
Mississippi, you know, I was, I was supposed to be down there for like a year or two. It turned into like six and some change real quick. But I was like, so what do I have to do? You know, what, what do I have? What could I lose right now? You know, if I can, if I apply, you know, he here or he around here, you know, maybe mm-hmm. um, I got the degrees and the man. So I'm winning. <laughs> there you go. Winning, so I decided to go ahead and pursue the, the degree in higher education because there was nothing I loved more. And, you know, they ended up again, I had an assistantship for my master's program, which also translated to me having that assistantship that carried through my doctorate um, for mm-hmm. the majority of the time, because at one point I did have to step away and go to work because I just needed to take care of myself. And a full-time yeah. job was the only thing that was going to accommodate that. Right. Um, but needless to say, I got through all of my degrees having only paid for two classes. Wow. And I was really excited about that piece um, because again, significant that somebody who didn't even know about college, I have a sense of it junior year had now gotten through three degrees and yeah, had paid for two yeah, classes. Definitely. So yeah. that was really significant. That's amazing. That's amazing. So you get your PhD in, you said student affairs? Or what'd you, what'd you get yeah. your PhD in? Well, no, no. So my PhD was in higher education administration. Higher. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Because I thought I was going to be, you know, president of Shaw University. That was the goal. Yeah. So it's funny so. you say that because before I, you, you got to know positioning, you have to know. I love that you said that you wanted to be a doctor, um, no MD for you because science was just not your thing. And you found that out, but you were able to find what worked for you. Um, I love that you said that because I, so me, myself, I had ended up kind of, falling under the guise of being a follower for a while because a lot of my friends were staying around to go pursue their masters in higher ed and I was like oh well I love this space that I'm in with my little community I might as well do it too and it was very heartbreaking for me to have to come to the reality that I actually had no desire to do higher ed even though I told folks like yeah I'm gonna do this and one day I'm gonna become the president of a university I was like this isn't really what you want to do and like coming to grips with that, to have to like find yourself and what it is that will work for you. I know it can be difficult, but you did it. And I think it's amazing. And of course you have like all of these like amazing little fillers there, right? The, the big one sounding like love. Um, and, and, and as we know, love will make you do some crazy things, right? So that being said, you went right on ahead and did it. And I love it. And it leads us to where you are now. So, or I guess you could say where you are now. Yes. But Eve, you knocked this PhD out by the time you were 28 right? Like black woman under 30 in this space, doctor, like, no, call me doctor. When I sign these checks, I am doctor. When I, when I check in for my flight, it's doctor. Like, what was that feeling like for you at the end, being able to have that now? It started hitting me about two years ago. Mm. So it didn't even hit me then. Like I knew it was this big thing, but I just didn't have time to just sit in it. Yeah. Like you really just did that. And it took a minute even to adjust to being called Dr. Eve, Dr. Hudson, then Mrs. Dr. Hudson, because my husband is also Dr. Hudson. And <laughs> two um, doctors. And here we are, two Dr. Hudsons. Um, I love it. Both first generation HBCU yeah. graduates, you know, just sim- very similar life stories. Yeah. And it just, it just didn't hit me because it's like, what does this mean? But over time, you know, you, when you look back and you tell the story, when you look back and you think about what you've been through yeah. and when you find yourself in positions like the one I'm in, where I'm making the impact that I've always wanted to make, I'm doing it my way. But the thing that helped me get there was the degree yeah. to sometimes be introduced and to hear somebody say, you know, Dr. Even I'm like, I hear it, but it's like, damn, that's me. <laughs> Sometimes I'm sitting on the couch 
you know, when my husband will be, you know, maybe eating food, having dinner, watching TV, and I'll just be like, I'm a doctor. Like, <laughs> what do they do that at? What do they do that at? Right? Because it's, oh you know, granted, every doctor, even MDs, we all have our expertise. So 100%. it doesn't make my PhD doesn't make, you know, an MD or a JD or anything like any less, right? They're all what they are. But for me, I'm like, I'm a damn doctor. And it just <laughs> still blows my mind. But the more that I'm settling into it, am I also realizing my power too, Richard? Mm-hmm. Because for a long time, I struggle with like, still, are you worthy? Where's mm. your confidence? Are you capable? Because because you're young, because you're woman, because you're black, because you're heavy set, all the things. I and was then literally I about to like, ask you that. I was literally yeah. about to I ask that even with the accomplishment, did you find yourself feeling like an imposter coming into those oh, spaces? Yeah. Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. Because there's always somebody who knows more than you, okay. but then you realize you know more than somebody else too, though. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. all know more than somebody else in something, but it's yeah. still this, this, am I qualified? Am I ready? Can I do this? Wow. And a lot of times it's the youth, you know, that can stand in the way. Oh, you and my doctor, you ain't work, you don't know nothing. Put a research paper in front of me. Give me a dissertation. Give me some data and watch what I do with the data. Watch how I translate it. My business is literally a translation of research. I love right? that. Yeah. First generation things, what do first generation students need? It's a response. And I sometimes, I used to feel like, oh, I'm not doing every shit. I'm not, I'm not publishing, but I'm a practitioner. I love scholarship. I love doing yeah. the research, right? But I really love the practice of it as well. And so even in entrepreneurship, I'm able to collide both the best worlds for me and then create something with it that I know is impactful. So even I tell people, these programs I offer, it didn't just something, I think somebody just pulled out of a hat. Right. It was a thought process around yes, this. Yes. I know. I So I know how to take the tools and even get what I need for my own business to grow and expand it. So, yeah, I just I still, you know, just soak it all in. But I couldn't be more grateful because I see I mean, at this point, I'm still the first only doctor in my family. Right. It. Yeah. It's been several years at this point. But people from where I'm from know it's possible. And that yeah. was the most important thing to me. You set the foundation. You created a blueprint. You, you did that. And I love, too, that you talked about, like, you bridged the gap, too, right? Like, you talked about the, the aspect of, you know, you love the scholarly side, but you love the practitioner side, too, right? This, this dope component where you actually get a chance to not just come to the space with data and talking research, but you've actually been able to reach those that are the data, that make up the data. And I, I've always thought that this was so necessary. Um, and I'll share a little bit of myself in this. I haven't really shared this with my listeners at all. Um, I've shared it in like conversation, but this was actually one of my biggest fears coming into the mental health space as somebody who is not a licensed therapist or a counselor but has all of the lived experience on the bad side and on the side of going through counseling, overcoming, healing, becoming the poster child, and then now being a voice for the voiceless that people actually listen to, right? And then you take that and now you talk about coming into the space, traveling the world, educating those with the PhD behind their name, but also on the flip side, sitting on the board of directors for you know, a national mental mental illness, mental health organization that is doing phenomenal work. And there's still this, this feeling at times of like, I shouldn't be here. I'm not good enough. And, and to hear you say that, even though you've accomplished, right? And I love that you put that out there too, because this is one of the things that I'm constantly reminding myself. I'm like, Richard, like, 
there are folks that sit in the background with the PhD aspect who don't have the pile of suicide notes that students and people have given you and have made a vow and an oath to say, I'm gonna continue to live. Like, and I think it's those moments where you talk about having to constantly remind yourself, Eve, right? Like having to constantly remind yourself of what you've gone through, right? Like, yes, they might know more than me, but you've got experience in this that led you to be exactly who and what you are now. And I think that's so powerful too, when you talk about, even though you're the first and the only in your family, there is something to be said here of your journey and your experience being the hub that is going to set something up. Maybe it doesn't happen right, right away. Maybe it's not an immediate thing, but somebody's going to come to you and not just one somebody, but somebody's are going to come to you and you're going to have what they need in order for them to take their own journey to go through it as well. And I think that's so powerful when you talk about understanding your space and, and position in the grand scheme of it all. So yeah, <clears throat> excuse me, that being said, you got me a little choked up there, like hearing your story with that and just that experience piece. I want to go ahead and just kind of fast forward, right? As somebody who is first gen as well, I love what you are doing here in the space. If you don't mind, what is it that you're doing now? I know you got the first gen lounge. I know that you got the first generation university and you're making history and providing space. Tell us more about your work and what you're doing um, for first gen students around the world. You got me in my feelings. <laughs> and I, was, I don't think I've gotten this emotional on the podcast. I, I mean, I was really like, Ooh, wait a minute. Um, Cause to, today in the time of our recording is a launch day for me. Okay. Okay. So what I'm doing um, to lead to this, like what I'm doing, right. Is I'm finally coming out of my own shadows and owning what I do. Yeah. Um, I've been a personal brand for a while, you know, just being Dr. Eve and I have was at the company visually worldwide, but now I'm letting Evangeline Worldwide take her rightful place in the global space. Mm. And here's the company. I want you to see the company because where I'm headed, you're going to be able to hire more than me one of these days I you love know, to that. come in and do programming and workshops. You're going to be able to do a, a mirage of things with my business. But what it is, is, you know, first it is our award-winning podcast, the First Gen Lounge. There talking about all things in life and entrepreneurship, right? Yep. How do I help cultivate, you know, confidence and you know, enthusiasm in those who are first generation graduates who are also entrepreneurs, something that nobody was doing, nobody had done. And I didn't even realize it. And so even continuing to create space in the entrepreneurship space for us, everybody's doing it in education, you know, and professionalism and career development. I was like, nobody's doing entrepreneurship and I yeah. love it, right? Um, so the, that's one part of it. The other part is first generation university, online learning and development, again, training and courses, being able to help those who are typically first generation to come in and get courses. Um, if you're an entrepreneur and you're looking to build and even like working with organizations to help their professionals to like transition, that's something that we've really been building out and working on to do a bigger launch with. Uh, we've done in the past podcast launch incubators, right? Yeah. We've done a couple of um, first generation entrepreneur association meetings where it's mastermind groups to be able to help those who are part of the community to be able to spread their wings. Um, I have a first of its kind store, the first gen shop. That's so when dope. I was graduation happened, thank you. Graduation happened, and I looked around and realized there's never anything for me. There's never anything for people who are like me. There right. was nothing that ever said first gen, and I realized, holy crap! <laughs> no, it started with the greeting card that became a notebook that became a couple of journals, and then it just hit me: you should do a store. So mm -hmm. I did that. 
Um, and then lastly, it's our signature programs that we do uh, keynote workshops and trainings for institutions and organizations, just being able to really help their first generation students and professionals to thrive in their own rights. Um, but with all of those things, really, that's the, the foundation for what Evangeline Worldwide is. It's empowerment, right? But in different ways through professional development, through learning, through a store that you can wear a tee, mm-hmm. you're like, yes, right. That's yeah. right. You know, it's yeah. feeling good. Or coming into a podcast, finding a community to belong, but in all things, just thriving. So absolutely, that's what it is. I love that. So I love that you said Evangeline Worldwide is taking her rightful place, right? And so moving it to the forefront. Oh, that's it, you did. You literally, that was Literally. how you started off. That's how you started off. Come on now. I, I said, that's powerful. <laughs> then you followed up to say that there are so many trainings and workshops around all of these other components, but not entrepreneurship, right? As somebody who has only worked one job out of college before becoming a full-time entrepreneur, For the last 10 years, I got to ask this. Mm -hmm. I talked about this in my latest book, The 31 Days of Power. There's a chapter in there solely around um, the mental health of entrepreneurs, right? Because here's the reality, not an easy journey, not an easy trek. And you know this, but I think that the fact that you are creating coursework and training and development and conversation and content around it is so important because what I've noticed in this journey, like I said, I made a decade in at the top of this year, right? And one of the things that I have noticed during this journey for so many others is that they get caught up on data metrics. Data tells us that most burnout and they flatline at two years, right? And then even more burnout and flatline once you get to year five, seven. And so that's cool, but let's take it deeper than just that data, right? Mentally and emotionally, the lived experience that comes through it day to day, there's a host of uncertainty. There's a host of feeling like an imposter. There's a a host of emotions around I'm not getting support from the people that I thought I would get support by. And you are literally creating something that I believe is going to help people who carry those thought processes. I talk about it in the book, but to see it in live action, to see it just play out like this, I think is great. Then you talk about the representation side as well when it comes to the shop, right? Like being able to proudly say I'm first gen, right? I remember me, Eve, When I got onto my college campus, I had to come in through what was called the chance program. They told us that we would not graduate before five years. Um, And in this, you know, most were first generation students. A lot of them didn't make it. I was blessed enough to say that I did throughout a long struggle. But with that being said, there was such a, what's the right word to use? Unlike you being at an HBCU in that undergrad space, me being at that PWI, there was this like nose up, you know, kind of like uh, type of reaction that we were received as being first gen students in that space. And so I was actually embarrassed to say it for a long time. Like I was embarrassed to say it. What I love is the shift that is taking place though, right? And you and the work that you're doing are a huge part of that shift to where students don't have to be ashamed to say that I am first gen, that I am the first in my family and I won't be the last, but I am the trailblazer, right? And so I just wanna just give you your flowers when it comes to that, to say thank you for providing a space of safety and a space of what I believe is going to be growth, development and empowerment for so many people to come um, as we move forward. So thank you for that, Eve. 
Wow. Thank you. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So look, I want to go ahead and jump into some more personals real quick. I know we got all the work <laughs> stuff and that's great, right? You and hubby are both doctors. Phenomenal. As a, as a person who carries so many accomplishments and is doing so many things, what does Dr. Eve like to do for fun? Like what speaks to you? What's life-giving? Tell us about that side. So it's really funny that you asked because the other day uh, my husband asked me something similar, right? You know, really? okay. where are you at in your life right now? What are you interested in? Because he likes to check in. He likes to get to know me because we realized we weren't the same people we were 12 years ago. Facts. So okay. it's always good to just, mm -hmm. I want to get to know you now. And I was, he's like, what are your hobbies? I'm like, I don't have no hobbies. I'm always working. <laughs> But then I'm thinking, you know, I, I dismiss that my hobbies have evolved and it doesn't have to be, you know, something that's fun to other people. It's fun to me. Yeah. So I absolutely. love getting lost in, in, in research on the internet, right? Like okay. just be on the internet, just papers and what's happening in news and reports and journals and articles, just reading, even on like first gen stuff. Like that is truly fun to me. Like it is, what? I love listening to podcasts. I love reading books, personal mm. development, entrepreneurship. Um, I like, you know, watching television when I get a chance, but specifically like Blackish, which I'm so sad that they're taking off the air. Yeah, like, that's one of my favorite shows. That, right? Oh my God. Blackish. Um, and then Grownish, though, because Grownish, and be, you, you ain't, but this, I'm higher ed and I'm right. so fascinated with Grownish. Yeah. So it's so good to me. And baby girl about to graduate, like four years went by that fast. That like, oh my fast. gosh. Yeah. Very fast. Um, I enjoy a nice glass of wine or two, you know, okay. so even just wine tasting and learning about wine is something that's really interesting to me. And I think from wine cooler to wine. Hey, you know, hey. <laughs> you know, it's from the 40 to the palace. Person. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, so it's just I gotta things. ask you this. Um, okay, so this this is ahead, the part of the podcast ahead. I love. When we just start going off the rails from everything, right? Okay, you talked okay. about wine, right? And and, and so mm -hmm. I, I found myself in this interesting space where I'm learning more too. Um, I've been watching a lot of sommelier uh, Andre mm -hmm. Mack. Are you mm -hmm. familiar with Andre Mack? No, he's a new one to me. That's Very, new. like he is the, he is the premier black sommelier. Like this dude, mm -hmm. I think he's out of New York. Um, okay. But yeah, I, I'll send you the info before y'all listening check him out he's on bon appetit he does a lot mm -hmm. of work around obviously the wine industry he's got his own wine as well but um do like the, you if you talk about listening to podcasts and being able to just kind of learn and be educated this is somebody that you will rock with eve i'm telling you mm -hmm. this man like he will 20 minute video will make you feel like you need to know everything you need to know about reds from burgundy all the way to the best Syrahs and Malbecs that you can find. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, let me find Come out about to create a vineyard around here somewhere like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel after I'm done listening, right? But no, I Absolutely. love that, right? It's amazing. It's amazing what you find yourself liking in the word that you use, this evolution, because you're not the same person that you were 12 years ago. Absolutely. And things that you never ever would have guessed that you probably would have found yourself liking, right? And so I think mm -hmm. that, that that is amazing too. Talk about this real quick. You mentioned this part too. And I think this is important. I know we've got listeners here on the podcast that are in relationships or married. The importance of those check-ins with your husband that you mentioned. Like, how has that, that really helped shape you all's marriage and helped shape each mm. other when it comes to like we're growing together and not growing apart? Oh yeah, because you can grow apart. Right? It can happen. 
And because of the check-ins, I know that that's what helps us to stay together. But mm. I think at the foundation, I don't even say think at our foundation, we're friends. Like that's my homeboy. You know what I'm saying? Like more than just being my husband, I never limited to him to just being this idea of a person or a thing. Yeah. You know, like this concept in my head of what marriage is and what a husband is and how you're supposed to treat me. I am who I am. He is who he is. That's how we were when we were dating. Yes. And so while there have been things that in my head I've had to like navigate as, oh, a wife and a wife. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wait, he's like, I didn't marry you because you were this traditional idea of a wife. Right. He said, I married you because you're who you are. And yeah. we wanted that that bond. Right. We didn't need it. And actually, to be honest, I kind of pushed it. <laughs> you know, I kind of pushed it. But like <laughs> the hindsight, we've always been who we are, but we're friends. Like we right. talk, we laugh, we joke, you know, we we cook together. We just do we travel. We have similar interests in that those checking ins. Where are you at now? Do you want to travel now? Do you want to do this now? Yeah. Are you interested in this now? Um, even just watching his life, you know, just evolve like right in front of me and saying, I've noticed this about you now, you know, this is really cool. I'm proud of you for doing this. Yeah. And at the end of the day is wanting to be together. Richard. Yes, absolutely. Like, you got to want to be with the person yeah. who you're with. Yep. And so yep. it make it's easy to be with him because he's my friend first. Yeah. Just because like I said, we, we homies, like, you know, homies over friends, that's what it is. But then the other part of it is like, I want to be with you and because I want to be with you. I'm willing to do the work to know you. That's so good. I'm willing to do the work to, to figure out, you know, where we are or what do we want? Because mm-hmm. me transition to entrepreneurship was not a part of the initial plan. Yeah. So he could have very well be like, all right, I'm out. Yep. <laughs> and this yep. ain't it. Yep. Yep. But yep. this is what this, this is what you've come to. And I knew this was going to be a journey and to build the journey together. So I'm just really grateful um, and just continuing to stay in the space with him because I mean, that's bae, he bae. There you go. There you go. I want to, I want to rock the boat right here for a minute and just kind of stay steady on the water with what you just put out there. Cause I just had this thought. You mentioned earlier that both of you all are doctors. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that I've always been, um, oh God, how can I say this without trashing? Uh, and it's not a trash. It's not, it's not slight. Um, I found myself in a position, so I'm in my second marriage, um, but there was a point in time where during my first marriage, like it was almost like competition, right? And you get that Mm. sometimes. I think we were young, we didn't know any better, and it wasn't intentional. I think it was just emotions that kind of happened. One person might have felt one way about what the other was doing and all of that. Um, But you all have this really interesting dynamic of both being doctors, both carrying your own unique journey of getting to that level of accomplishment and then everything else that's come from it. You, you mentioned being friends. Do you all ever find yourself in this space where you have to check that area to say, it's not me versus you versus the problem, but rather it's a, it's a handicap match, me and you versus the problem. Like, are there moments where you have to like kind of come back to that do you find yourself I mean, just real talk like we're humans in our innate nature sometimes we can get into flows of things without even realizing that how do you all manage that space of making sure that we're not competing but always moving together that's a great question we've never been like that i love it i love it okay like think of that because it's this your thing that's my thing you got goals i got goals I'm here to be your partner in life, whatever that looks like. So it's not a competition. So you um, all I got have my defeated, doctor before he did. I love that. So you all defeated competition before it ever started with the understanding. And I, I, for those of y'all listening, please catch what she just said, because that was powerful. The notion that this is your thing and this is my thing 
had literally cut the head off of the beast before it could ever get started, right? And I think mm -hmm. that is so important that, that, that you mentioned that because I think emotionally what happens a lot of times is that we find ourselves kind of glossing over that thinking that in marriage, your thing has to be my thing too, right? Oh, Richard, you about to write a new book. Oh, I'm sorry, it just hit me. But seriously though, right? Because I think that we, we, we miss that. We're like, and I don't know if it's what has been shaped around us mentally with our gauge on marriage from society or what, but I think that sometimes, a lot of times, I'm not even gonna say some, a lot of times couples get together and the assumption is that we intertwine the things and it has to be that way. Yeah, 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 I get that. Um, but we've always been very individual in yeah. our relationship too. And very much so like, sometimes I think for people who, who have to live a certain way and in a certain mindset about marriage has to be based on this. Mm -hmm. We decided a long time ago, our marriage would be whatever we wanted it to be. It would look like whatever we wanted it to look like, yeah. point blank, period. Yeah. And that's the thing about marriage. So many people go in with the ideas of everybody tells you how to be in your marriage. You be in your own damn marriage. <laughs> so forget what everybody else say, Love it. right? Whatever's going to make y'all happy. You know, there are people who I know who do things and I'm like, I don't necessarily prefer it, but that's what they decided on. That's their agreement. Yeah. So mind your damn business, right? <laughs> but with us, it's just one of those things where he's always, because he knew, I, I didn't grow up wanting to be a pretty princess, Richard. I wanted to be a boss. Yeah. And I needed fact. somebody who could uh, accommodate that. Or not even accommodate it. Somebody was good with it. Not even yeah. accommodating. Yeah. He's good with it. And not feel insecure about it, right? And oh. not feel insecure. Talk about he it. He loves Talk to have it. a winning woman, right? And he said, he's like, I love, he said, one of the things that was drawn, I was drawn to you by because you independent. He said, I know you can always handle your own. So even if something happened to me, you're going to be good. And oh there was something God. about him saying that that I was like, "Ooh, really?" But he's all—he's always let me be whoever I felt like I needed to be when I needed to be it. But I give him that same thing too, right? There's no judgment. There's grace. There's love. There's understanding. Love there's love patience, that. right? And so, why can't I show up in other spaces and find joy or find commitment, right? Because I know I'm capable, I and I know this. I can do that because of how I'm loved and how he loves me. But I'll say this to you too: the competition thing, why it was never a problem, because again. We have such different interests too. We mm -hmm. share so much alike, but we have such, we open up each other's worlds to things. I'm always fascinated with him and by Amazing. him and the things that he that. talks about or that he says. And here's what people don't get either. A relationship, a marriage is a partnership. Yes. Let's focus on partnership. What does it mean to have a partner? Partner, team. What is a team? Y'all yeah. are in, y'all, you're on the same team in a football game and y'all are fighting the opponents or whatever you're doing, right? Part, to win the part. game. Yep. So if we're a team, how do we win this game? All right, bet. I'm going to be an entrepreneur and you got the nine to five, but I can benefit from your insurance. So thank you for carrying me. But because Just you're married, like when I get these speaking engagements, we get to travel. Come on. So there's things that we combine travel and, you know, I have the benefits and then I can make money and he can make money and we can do things and we both yeah. are enjoying yeah, it, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so there's something about that. It's why people, oh, why your husband always with you? Because we love to travel. So this that arrangement part. for me to be a speaker, yes. to go out and do things means that we're going to stay all weekend 100%. when we're here and going to enjoy it and we're going to go back. Yeah. So... 
It's got to work, but you got to know what you want. But you got to know yourself too, Richard. Got to know I yourself. I love that. I just want to say shout out to my wife for being the one that brings um, the home the bacon so that our insurance is covered while I go out yeah, come and, on now, and, 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 and bring in the big bags. You know, so like, hey, we it's a complimenting. <laughs> it's it's a it's together. We two two peas in a pot, okay? We, we I gotta are. Have, <laughs> I got to have you back on because you, you said something that was so good prior to that portion that really got my attention um, around your husband and his draw and attraction to you mm. being a boss. The mm. reason why I think that's so powerful and I want us to have a completely separate conversation around it, even though I low-key want to jump into it right now, is <laughs> I have been so... Um, I grieved is not the right word, but I've definitely been very um, put off uh, mm -hmm. by the eeny weeny teeny little alpha male men out here mm -hmm. who have been um, down talking and trash talking a woman that mm -hmm. is on her stuff, making boss moves, specifically black women, right? You got a mm -hmm. lot of podcast hosts that for whatever reason are continuing to get clout and to be seen mm -hmm. off of these ignorant comments about how they don't want a woman that's out here making X amount of dollars or doing this, that, and the third because of the fact that she's too burly or she's too this or too that. And I'm like, sir, mm -hmm. if you don't take this LDE out of here, and I'm not going <laughs> to say what that means for my listeners, just you guess. If you don't get this crap out of here, right, and 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 stop showing your insecurities in a moment's time like that, right, and understanding mm -hmm. that you're really not an alpha male, you are actually, I mean, you're a scared little boy, right? I feel like that deserves its mm -hmm. own conversation because mm -hmm. I hear so many men down talk that, and I'm so against it. I, I love seeing women win. I love seeing women make these power moves, making these adjustments when it comes to understanding that it's a partnership. And I love that you said that too, right? My example of that, my mom and dad are getting ready to celebrate 36 years of marriage next month. Mm -hmm. Well, actually Come this month now, April. Um, but in that though, right, I got a chance to see my mom and dad help out each other in different ways right yes definitely as different transitions happened in life different traumas happened and somebody had to wear a hat that they never thought they would have and all that and so being able to see that now and understand that what works for one might not work for the next but yo like i respect whatever works for your household cool so that'll be later down the line we definitely got to have a separate convo on that absolutely so, absolutely um would love to even have hubby on for that one to just like you know I need that king energy. You know what I'm saying? Come on I now. Need, okay. You know, That's the king. Hey, I need that. I love it. Eve, we, we wind it down here. Um, I got some quick hitters for you and I'm gonna get out your hair. Um, real quick, first things that come to mind, um, you just shoot them at me. First question that I have for you. Um, what are you listening to music wise? What puts you in the zone? What gets you right? Um, Alexis French. He okay. is a black 
um, classical composer. He's Love brilliant. It. Okay. Um, I like him. I like um, Ella Mai. I think that she's pretty dope. Okay. Um, R&B soul music is where I'm typically at. So with the music front and every now and then a little rap. I'm about, <laughs> say, trap, actually, I'm about to trap. say, because at the top of this conversation, you did tell Yo, us that you going nowhere. That <laughs> I have evolved, though. I have hey, evolved. That, You're still the, there. It's so funny. I'm actually going to title. I, I had this thought like five minutes ago. I'm I, I'm going to title this podcast episode Evolution. Um, And so that ooh, being ooh. said... I just, it, you know, I'm, I'm a little smart sometimes, but no, um, <laughs> I love that though. The range in the music you talked yeah. about blackish. I know you love the show. It's getting ready to go off. What else are you watching? Like what, what show really gets you? Um, the grownish, um, I like resident. Um, okay. I watch a lot of Hulu and I like Netflix documentaries. Um, okay. I enjoy watching those. And there is one called the good doctor, um, yeah. that I've been watching actually for a couple of years and so yeah i mean i can think of several things was like i'm trying to get it my fast but hulu is where i be in netflix and then next to that i'll fall into a rabbit hole on youtube okay um just looking at assortment of stuff there you go i love it I, i'm about to put you in a deeper rabbit hole after we get off this call too <laughs> um, <laughs> um, two more questions here we go first one um and it's crazy because you april you already setting goals today is launch day for you congratulations any goals before 2022 is over that you want to accomplish Oh man, yes. Um, I have a financial goal, so okay. I want to hit bigger than I hit last year. I ain't gonna say what, but I'm gonna hit bigger than you I hit and last me year. both. You and me both. I'm with you. <laughs> Salute. I mean, right? They said right. it's endemic coming, so the endemic. Come on, I love that. That might have to be your next book. Uh, <laughs> um, and then finally, finally, I think this is the most important question of them all. When when it's all said and done for you, when you have etched your name in history, her story. Mm -hmm. um with all the work that you've done if people could leave saying one thing about dr eve hudson what would it be what would you want she, it to be she changed my life changed my life i love that she changed my life simple but yet so impactful and so powerful i mm -hmm. love that ladies and gentlemen Dr. Evangeline Hudson, um, my friend, my sister, I am so happy to have had you here today. Eve, can you do us a favor? Let us know where we can find you everywhere, social, website, the podcast, when you when you drop episodes, all of it. Ah, I love that. Thank you. So yeah, so I am on all the internet space and social media as E-V-E-H-U-D-S-O-N-P-H-D. Um, you can typically find me at Evangeline Worldwide from my website, my podcast drops every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come and check that out as well. But typically, if you find me on social, you can click a link and that'll get you to the website. Just make it easy. Um, but again, I'm grateful for this space, Richard. And I'm grateful for you all who have been with us in this hour because I have really enjoyed myself. Um, and I know for sure that, you know, you're going to keep doing amazing things. But that's how you can find me in my little two cents. <laughs> hey, I love it. I appreciate you, Eve. Love you dearly. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today on the Between the Dream podcast. To those listening in, as always, you're not losing in life, you're not failing, you're simply between the dream. Make sure that y'all go check my sister out, stay in tune with her, and get just really get involved when it comes to everything that she is doing as she continues to etch her name in history. I'll talk to you all next week. I hope you have a great weekend. See you soon.